we're in the middle of a series we're calling You Win because God did not destine you to lose or fail. God destines you to be successful. Our foundational scriptures are found in 1 Corinthians 9 and 24 in the New English translation. It says, Do you not know that all runners in a stadium compete, but only one receives the prize? Let's read that last sentence together. One, two, three, go. So run to win. We ought to get out of the bed in the morning running to win. The Apostle Paul later would write, he says, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 says, Now, everybody say now. now. Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Now. Thanks. That means we should be thankful not when all the promises show up, not when all the situation has changed, but the Bible says, now thanks be unto God, which means we ought to be thankful to the Lord at all times, but just the same way that faith has a timetable associated with it. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, the Bible says, now faith is. We should be in faith right now. The same thing happens here when the Apostle Paul writes, now, thanks be unto God. We should be thankful unto the Lord at all times because in doing so and because of who He is and because of who we are in Him, the Bible says that He always, everybody say always, always, always causes us to triumph. Yes. Now here's the deal. If God did not want me to win all the time, then he should not have had that put in my Bible. But because he put it in my Bible, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to stand on it when it doesn't look like it. I'm going to act like it when it doesn't sound like it. I'm going to talk like it. When I can't figure out why it seems going the other way, I'm going to believe that Bible before I believe anything else. But that's a decision you make before you get to the situation. That's a decision you make before you get to the before you get the report, before you get the, the news, before somebody walks into your office and says, we're going to have some layoffs, before you get to the place where the doctor walks in and says, we're going to have some problems and, and i got some bad news for you. Long before you get into any of those situations, you've got to convince yourself that his book is true above everything else. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes me to triumph through Christ Jesus. Jesus. So as we're believing God, we are not going to grow weary in well-doing because in due season we're going to reap. But along the way, you've got to get to the place where you understand an adversary or a, an attack or something that tries to convince you otherwise is not the, it is not the elimination of the will of God, but it is proof positive that the will of God is going to come to pass in your life. So as we're going through this series, we're talking about how to win in God, how to absolutely steadfast win. One of the things we talked about is we have to listen to the voice of our friend, the good shepherd, and ignore the voice of the adversary. So we have to tune in to the right station, so to speak. Today I want to talk to you about another key that we find in Hebrews chapter 10, where literally it is one of the foundational fundamentals of being successful in the body of Christ. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith, listen to this, without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. 
Now, there's an argument about who wrote this, who wrote this book. Uh, some say Silas, some say Paul, but either way, uh, we are convinced that it is a powerful, powerful teaching from the Word of God. But at the end of the day, you've got to get to the place where you decide that you are going to hold fast. You are going to hold tight your profession. The word pro means that it proceeds. It is before your profession of faith. That means that uh, it, it might not look like you have success. It might not look like you're winning. But your mouth never indicates that you are not winning because you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. So we are going to profess victory in the name of Jesus. We are going to profess victory over our life, over every single area. Uh, the Bible says that a ship is moved around by just a small helm or a small rudder. The Bible says that our tongue, our mouth is like that rudder that literally it directs us where to go. The Bible says that death and life is in the power of our tongue. Choose life, says the Bible. So as we are going through life, we have to get to the point where we're going to get to victory, but we are going to hold fast. Everybody say, hold fast. We're going to hold fast our profession of faith without wavering. That means you're not going to be pushed around. Not one more time are you going to be pushed around. You're not going to be backed into a corner because when you get backed into a corner, you're going to do like one of our cats do. You're going to come out with all, you know they got claws on all four feet? We got a hundred pound dog, big white thing, and she just, just runs around and barks at everything. And every now and then she'll play with those cats. And she can get those cats out in the yard. She can get those cats out where they're at. But when those cats get into a corner, they find, that dog finds out that that cat has a lot more fight in it than that dog thought it had. What's going to happen in your life is the devil is going to find out they pushed, he has pushed the wrong Christian in a corner because you are going to hold fast your profession of faith. That means when it doesn't look like it, when, when, when ends aren't meeting, you're going to begin to declare and decree, uh, God supplies my needs according to his riches and glory. When everything around your life uh, indicates that you ought to be afraid of something, you're going to say, God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. When everything begins to look like it's crumbling around you, you're going to say, God has put my feet on a solid rock. I will not be moved. There is nothing that's coming against me that God cannot handle. I am his and he is mine. And for the rest of my life, I will magnify him because I know he causes me to triumph in all things. All things, we're going to triumph. We're going to have the victory. But we've got to hold fast. And the Bible says, not wavering. Not wavering. Here, here, here's your situation. You're going to go through a valley at some point in your life. Maybe you say, Preacher, I'm in a valley right now. Maybe you say, I'm going through it right now. The shadow of death. The shadow of death may be overshadowing your situation, telling you everything about your life is going to be bad. It's not going to work out. And there may be nothing in your natural life indicating that something is changing. But before this thing is through, you will be standing on the next mountaintop with your Savior, hand in hand, with overwhelming victory. But here, here's the interesting thing. 
you will either look him in the face and say, I'm sorry, I doubted you again, or you will look the devil in the face in the valley and say, my God will deliver me. I don't see it. I can't hear it. I can't touch it. But I know he's bringing me from glory into glory. And because you are here right now, I know I'm on the right track. But it comes from not wavering. No, we are firm. Everybody say firm. We are a resolute people. We did not say yes to Jesus so that we could become wishy-washy, wavering Christians. Aren't you glad that Jesus wasn't wishy-washy on the cross? About halfway through his death, he said, you know what, never mind. I'm just going to go and I'm going to go and talk to some other people. and just No, we are going to press towards the mark. We're going to believe God. But listen, you got to hold fast. When everything feels like it's crumbling around you, when everything feels like it's more difficult than it should be, when Billy and Susie keep getting blessed and you know they don't believe God for nothing, it's like blessings just bounce out of heaven and hit them on the head and you're looking at them and your flesh is saying, oh, you shouldn't, they shouldn't be blessed, it should be you getting blessed. You're sitting there, you gotta tell your, bless, your flesh to be quiet because before this thing is over, God's word is gonna manifest true in your life. But we have to hold fast our confession, our profession. We have to speak the word of God over every situation. And, and here's the thing. Not because you are so faithful. Because he is faithful that promise. You see, if it hung on your faith, well, let me personalize it. If it hung on my faith, you're all in trouble because I may wake up on the wrong side of the bed one day. You got Pastor Brian, and then you got East Texas Brian. And East Texas Brian, now granted, he doesn't show up very often, but when he does, he does not act right. Bump your neighbor and say, did he just say he don't act right? He don't act right. I'm just telling you. I'm not proud of it. I'm not happy about it. It's once every two or three decades. But I'm just telling you, if my salvation and my ability to receive from God hung on my own ability to be faithful, I would be laying in a ditch somewhere, being struggling, left behind, and set apart. But the Bible says that He is faithful that promised. So when I miss the mark, I can still run to Him. When you miss the mark, you can still... Run to him. There is something about God. It's, it's the factor of love itself that causes him to pursue you when somehow you have lost sight of pursuing him. He is the difference in your life when everything begins to look like it may not work. It is not because we are faithful that his promises come to pass, and we should be. But it is because he is faithful. So we ought not have to measure ourselves. So we're going to hold fast. Everybody say hold fast. We're going to hold fast our profession of faith. Galatians 6 verse number 9 says this. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, comma, 
if we faint not. Discipline in 2016 in the body of Christ just as well be a four-letter word. We, 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 uh, we want our cake and we want to eat it too. We, we want all the benefits of God. We want all the benefits of living for the Lord. But living for the Lord somehow gets put on the back burner. When he says clearly, if you want to reap, there is a season coming. Somebody say, my season's coming. There's a season coming that you're going to reap. But unless I miss my mark, there's a clause attached to it. We can't faint along the way. Now, the Bible gives us plenty of strength. The Bible says that we will run and not grow weary. We will walk and not faint. There is promises that we can lay hold to that will keep us without fainting. But if you want the victory, let me tell you what you do. You stare in the face of every obstacle, of every naysayer, of every lying thought that you have that comes into your mind, of everything that tells you negative. You, you stare in the face of everything that is contrary to the word of God and you choose by faith that you are not going to give up. If you've decided you're going to stand forever, you will not have to stand that long. If you've decided that you're, you're never going to give up, you're never going to quit, you're never going to stop, when you've decided that you're going to be tenacious, when you've decided that you're going to hold fast your profession of faith, did you know when you resist the devil, he does not have a choice, he has to flee. So anytime you get the thoughts, the negative ideas, anytime you get bad news, Anytime you get something coming against you, anytime you feel the pressure rising, anybody ever felt pressure rising? Isn't it like, like the dishwasher goes out and the washing machine goes out and then you walk outside and you got four flat tires and you go to get the spare and the spare is flat and then you put it in drive and the transmission's out and then you try to crank it and the thing won't crank and then you find out you need a new battery and then all of a sudden the hailstorm comes and dents up your car. It's like just pressure just at all points at all times. It's just pressure. That's called the valley of the shadow of death. So as we're believing God and we are professing our faith, we absolutely have to endure till the end. I, I want to tell you a couple of stories and then we're going to close. There was a young man named David in our Bible, the same David who became king of Israel. He was anointed to be uh, uh, the, the king at a young age. And after that, not long after that actually in our Bible, uh, there was a, a battle fixing to take place where the Philistines had come and, and, and they'd kind of encamped in this, in this valley and, and David uh, was at home with his dad and he was tending the sheep and his brothers had gone off to war because David was still young. And his daddy said, I want you to take your brothers some bread uh, and some corn and I want you to take uh, their, their bosses, I want you to take them some cheese, which I don't know about you, but that sounds like a pretty good pizza. So the reality is, is David was pretty much delivering pizza. And he takes this pizza, he takes this bread, cheese, and corn, and he takes it to the battlefield. And when he gets there, he's all good, and the brothers are all happy to see him, and they're glad that the next king of Israel uh, was willing to do everything that was necessary in the kingdom of God because as soon as you decide what you're not going to do in the kingdom of God, let me just tell you what God will do with his wonderful sense of humor. He'll tell you to do that. Come on. 
So David was willing to do anything, so it didn't matter. He was a man after God's own heart. Whatever needed to be done in the kingdom, that's what he did. So he's going, he's bringing, he's got the pizza in the box, and he's walking up to his brothers, and he goes, who wants a slice? And they begin to pass out the pizza, and all of a sudden his brothers look at him, and they're like, oh, Dave, thanks for bringing the pizza. And then the giant in the valley starts screaming. And he starts cursing God, and he starts saying things like, you're never going to get ahead. You're never going to have enough. You're always going to be sick. You'll never have a marriage as good as Susie and John. You'll never have a marriage as good as, as Billy and Margaret. You'll never be, be, be smart enough. Your kids will never be smart enough. They'll always be trouble. He begins to yell all these different things. And David is sitting there and he's like, all right, guys, who wants a slice? And then he hears something contrary to the word of God. And he rises up in his inner man because though he looked like just a shepherd, he's much more than that. And he says to his brothers, he goes, who is this screaming and railing against the God of Israel? And the brothers, they begin to criticize him and say, the only reason you came here is you wanted to see the fight and why don't you just be quiet? Who's even watching the sheep, shepherd boy? And David said, well, I've got the sheep taken care of, everything's fine with that. But, but again, who is that yelling all of that stuff that is contrary to what God's Word says? Now, he's surrounded by hundreds, if not thousands, of grown men suited up in armor who when you walk by them, all you hear is their knees knocking together because they are so terrified of what that giant, the Philistine named Goliath, is screaming and railing about in the middle of the valley and nobody, not one person has decided to step up and defend the God of Israel in the face of the adversary. And David is sitting there going, who in the world is this? And the brothers are like, you, you listen, you little, you little uh, uh, tomato, because the Bible says they called, him, they called him ruddy. Goliath later calls him ruddy, which means red. So there's a good chance David had red hair. So he's going, listen, Ginger, you need to get back to where you're, you need to get back to the dad's house, take care of the sheep. You're not doing anything right. You know, you just got all that red hair, and you're just, you just look like a light bulb out here. I don't know what you're doing. They're telling him all this stuff, just criticizing him constantly. And David's like, who in the world? Can I just say this? He's paying no attention to what the naysayers are saying in his life. You may have family that doesn't understand why you take it so far. You may have family that doesn't understand why you love the Lord so passionately. You may have family that doesn't understand why you make some decisions in your, in your marriage that other people don't make, why you make some decisions in raising your kids and helping with your grandkids that other people don't make. All I can tell you is you just keep serving God. Don't pay any attention to the naysayers. They'll come around soon enough, but don't you pay, don't you pay any attention. You just keep serving God. So all of a sudden, somebody hears David, and they said, man, this guy right here, he's bold as a lion. He said, let me, let me introduce him to the king. So he gets drawn before the king, and the king's sitting there, and he says, what's going on here, Dave? And, and he, said, he said, well, I heard about that giant down there screaming and railing against Israel, and I just figured I'd go down there and kill him for you, boss. The king says, well, you're, you're just a boy, David. He said, yeah, he said, but I'm not going to go against him in my own name. I don't, I don't war against, I'm not going to war against a giant in my own name. You know, I, my, my own name has some, has some limits. And, and this is kind of, a, this is kind of a, a type and shadow of what's to come. 
But David could have said if he was born in 2016, or if he was alive in 2016, he said something like this. He'd say, he'd say well, here's the deal, King Saul. He said, there is a name that's above every name that can be named. And I'm not going in the name of David. I'm not going in the name of Jesse. I'm not going in the name of my brothers. I'm going in the name that's above every name that can be named. And when we bring that name into the equation, everything shifts. So the king says, well, fine, you can use my armor. That'd be good. So David puts on all the king's armor, and the Bible says Saul was head and shoulders above every man. He's humongous. David's just a boy. He said, I can't hardly walk around in this stuff, king. He said, I'd rather just take what I've, what, what I've, what I've, what I've trusted when I'm out there with the sheep. I got a slingshot, and I got this little pouch. I keep my, my, the, the stones that I, that I put in my sling. I got, can I just take that? He says, yeah, you can. He said, but look, man, this guy is huge. He's got a big bronze sword. He's got a helmet. He's got a big shield. And a spear, he said, you know, he's not to be messed with. He goes, yeah, he said, but look. He said, I killed a lion. I killed a bear. He said, you killed a lion and a bear. He said, see, what had happened was I was watching the sheep. And while I was watching the sheep, a lion came and took one. And I pursued the lion. And I left the 99 that were safe. And I went and found the one that was lost. And when I found him, I grabbed him by the beard. I opened his mouth, rescued the lion, and then I killed that lion with my bare hands. So I'm just trying to tell you, King, I know he's big, but does he have claws on all four feet? He says, I, I just want you to know I'm, I'm ready for this, not because I'm good, not because I'm able, but because he is able. So he takes his sling and he walks out to the battlefield and he gets there and he starts to walk out there and now, you know, okay, this is called where the rubber meets the road. Now it's one thing on Sunday morning for us to slap each other on the back and say God's going to provide your needs according to his riches and glory. Uh, 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 by his stripes you're healed. It's a whole nother can of worms when you're sitting in the doctor's office and they walk in, open up the folder and give you information you did not want to hear. That's where the rubber meets the road. He walks out onto that battlefield. His brothers told him he couldn't do it. The king told him he couldn't do it. And all of a sudden, that giant shifts his attention from uh, railing against all of Israel. Now it is dead set focused on him. Because when you decide to stand up for God, the enemy now has a target. Before that, he's just throwing stuff. Like there'll be season and it's... We've experienced it even in just the four years that New Heights Church has been around where there'll be attacks on the house, on, on the whole house. It's kind of a, a, a broad deal. And then we'll get some of those people, you know, that thump their Bible in the morning and believe God real strong and they stand up in faith and they hold fast their profession of faith and all of a sudden the devil's like, there's one, and he starts really hitting them. And David's walking out there in that field and He's, he's sitting there, he's fixing to uh, have the biggest fight of his life. And the giant starts screaming, not against Israel, but now it's personal. Your kid, not y'all's kids, your kid. Not those relationships, your relationship. Not their help. 
your help begins to shout and rail and, and just overwhelmingly uh, spew all kind of fear in the direction of this young man who's carrying a slingshot and some rocks. And he tells him, he says, Who am I that you would send a boy out here? Am I a dog that you can chase away with sticks? You little boy, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to leave you in this field and the wild animals and the birds will eat your body in front of your friends and family. David's walking out there. His brother said you can't do it. The king said you can't do it. David's walking out there. All he's got is a sling. But he said, I don't have anything else to hold on to, but I'm going to hold fast my profession of faith. You're not going to kill me, you heathen. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut your head off. I'm going to feed you to the lions. I'm going to feed you to the birds. You will not have this day because I come not in my own power, not in my own might, but I come in the name of the God of Israel and I cannot be defeated. Drops the stone in his sling. He slings it around, lets that thing go. And before you know it, that stone finds its destiny. It penetrates the forehead of that giant who scared every man on the block. But one boy who refused to let go of his profession of faith saw the power of God manifest. I'm going to stop. But you're going to come in contact with friends and family and they will say to you, who are you that you think you can do this? Because that's how it sounds. They want to put it on you. We just want to put it on God. They want to put it on you. We just want to put it on God. Who are you? Let me tell you something. You hold fast your profession of faith anyway. You don't let go. You don't be pushed around. Because the Bible says that a prophet has no honor in his own town, in his own area. There's friends and family that you grew up with. They'll never understand the calling on your life. All I'm telling you is press towards the mark anyway. Then there's going to be people in authority. The king, natural authorities. That are going to tell you you can't. You may have applied for college three times. They've said no every time. You apply again. If it is the will of God in your life, no devil in hell nor anybody else in some kind of natural authority can stop it from happening. And then when you get in the face of your adversary, when you are in front of the one who causes fear, nowadays our giants don't sound like Goliath. They don't come from a place called Gath. They're words like cancer, pneumonia, emphysema, glaucoma, Alzheimer's. When those things begin to scream, they're no longer screaming at everybody. When they begin to scream at you, it is time not to grow weary in well-doing. It is time to hold fast your profession of faith because if you won't quit, 
you will see God move in your life. Somebody give God a hand of praise. Stand to your feet. I'm done teaching.